And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen to when and where you choose. So I'm just reading... From uh, ex-CNN anchor Chris Cuomo. Yeah. Here's a headline says, firing consumed him. I was going to kill everybody, including myself. Hmm. He appeared appeared on the Mooch's podcast. (laughs) Okay. Scaramucci is a podcast. I, I guess I'll have to check it out. All right. Just for entertainment purposes only. Uh, he spoke about his inner turmoil he felt after he was blank canned by CNN. S word. Yeah. Canned. You've got to make, I'm trying to figure out where he's going here. You've got to make things happen. There is no luck. There is no fate. There is no destiny. Wow. Write those down. Those are lyrics to my next heavy metal song. Yeah. There is no luck. There is no fate. There is no destiny. Uh, What happens is what you make happen and how you deal with what is made to happen to you for better or worse. And you know I made a lot of mistakes, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons. I'm very flawed. There's damage. There's damage that's relatable to people. There's damage that's unrelatable to people that I have to deal with, that I try to deal with, uh, that I do the work on, I still fail. Okay? I have learned to accept uh, that. I had to accept that because I was going to kill everybody, including myself. Things can consume you. Italians are so passionate. Well, might as well bring identity politics into it. And I really had to fight against that because, you know, uh, just like you did, I got too many people that count on me. I'm sorry. Is he saying that people counted on the mooch? Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> okay. okay. 
Uh, and then he talked about his kids, and he told his, uh, he said, don't be me, learn from me. I'll always love you. I love you. Doesn't matter what you do. I'm here. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to screw up. I'm going to make mistakes. Uh, and don't idol, and don't idolize me because I'm no idol. I'm just someone to learn from for better or worse. You know, it gets into the point of just, I'm not sure what I'm learning. Well, here's what you say. I was, you know, I, I screwed up. I'm supposed yeah. to be a journalist. Yeah. And I was helping my brother and you can't do that. I was not, I, I, I claimed that I was a journalist. I was not, I was wrong for that. I made the mistake. I was wrong. Yeah. That's what. Because that's what happened. Yes. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. And in, you know, the other allegations uh, with uh, co-workers or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, those those are things that. But in terms of um, what was going on at CNN, it was was pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, he, he he was advising his brother while claiming he was not. Well, here's the you're thing. fired. I'm, you can't do that if 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 you are if you are an anchor, can't do that. Well, you know when he told his audience, "Hey, family first. Yeah. Then you're not at that point. You're telling your audience, "I'm not here to serve you. Right. It's all about me. I'll lie to you. Yeah. I'll deceive you because my family is first. And you're telling your company, I don't care that you're paying me. Now, I I will say to our audience. It is about me, but <laughs> whatever Gary gets accused of, <laughs> I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to spend all night, every night, covering it in detail. <laughs> it's. <laughs> well, I appreciate your journalistic integrity there. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. It's you know, it's it's what I do. These are. You know, it was it was very. I I looked at that moment. I thought, "What am I missing? How was he not? You know, the the view as we mentioned, they have lawyers on the set to correct them on the fly. How did management at CNN not call him that night and say uh, you're done? Yeah. Oh, because it was part of the culture. Yeah, because it was part of the culture. Uh, you know, Sucker knew it was going yep. on. I mean, they, they everybody was in on it. Yeah. And and so what he to, what he should have said is, you know, let's not let's not get uh, let's not go overboard on the contrition. It's mm-hmm. very simple. You can sit there and say, I never committed sexual harassment and that's why I'm suing them. I never right. harassed or I, I you know, I, I never harassed anybody. Right. I uh, was never involved in any type of improper uh, uh, relationship whatsoever. That's a lie from whoever's saying it. But I had no self-awareness. I screwed up. I you cannot be a journalist and say you serve your family first. Right. The company is going to fire you for that. I, you know, call it a mistake, call it whatever. I was wrong and the company was justified. If that's the reason they fired me, they were justified as for the uh, sexual assault, harassment, whatever the charges are, those are false. And 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 those are the things is, is if he were saying Family first, and that's why I'm announcing that this is my last night on CNN. Yeah. Then that would have been, okay. There's been pressure for me to cover what's going on with my brother, and I'm not going to do that, and this is where I must part ways. But he didn't do that, and 
you know, when he's glossing over it here on the Mooch show or whatever it's called, <laughs> Mooch time, whatever they call it, then what I'm listening to here is, all right, here's where I made the mistake. Not, oh, I'm deeply flawed. Uh, I make mistakes. Yeah. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm... Clear the you're air. Not, you're not saying anything. Yeah, clear the air. Be... Here's where I made the mistake. I mean, if you're going to talk about it, talk about it. If you're not, then just don't bring it up. It was obvious when he was doing the playful banter back and forth with his brother that it was inappropriate. Yeah. And, and this is after especially at the fact that he refused to cover the nursing home scandal. Right. We said it was inappropriate. It was obvious it was inappropriate. This right. is something that if you're in the media, you knew immediately that what he was doing was wrong before you knew anything else about the other allegations uh, about him or before you actually knew, you know, what his communications were what with his brother on the side. From the appearance itself, you knew enough if you have had any experience in the media that what he was doing was completely inappropriate because it was his brother and because it was his brother he was the perception was he was ignoring the nursing home scandal and which was of a i think uh the utmost public interest if you think about what happened with that yes. that story and and how things were handled the p- people died you know the whole covid thing yeah. wasn't over and uh, you know i mean at the point where the, the where he got let go from CNN. It still wasn't over. And and that's it. It wasn't just about his brother. It was about the people who died as a result of his brother's actions. Mm-hmm. There were other accusations about his brother that were similar to the accusations against him. But that story was ignored and he basically looked his audience in the eye and said, eh, forget you. This isn't about you. Family first. You know, it's really incredible as you get to that, if you get to the point where you have such arrogance to believe you can do or say anything and there's no consequences to it and right. you're in the media. Right. It's like, what? You, you, don't, you, don't you have a clue how... It runs in the real world, and yeah. it's almost as if, you know, everybody there from Zucker on down, they were living in this fantasy world that the public, you know, the public wouldn't notice. Well, the public, the public noticed. Everybody noticed what was going on at that at that point. Now, there was a lot of mocking, but mm-hmm. the mocking was a way to uh, express, you know, I think people's displeasure as to what was going on at CNN, you know, at that time mm-hmm. with Cuomo. Yeah. But, yeah. And there was no self-awareness. He seemed to have no self-awareness. No, Don't you understand? Still doesn't really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I made mistakes. Which ones? And and yeah. why were they a mistake? What is it that you think you did wrong? That's what I want to hear. And he's working on the hurt and embarrassment of the CNN firing in therapy. Well, again, he's he's putting it all under one umbrella and again by doing that he's making it about him 
If he got to the point that he talks about here, then there's no doubt he certainly should be in therapy on a personal level. But when you're talking about the mistakes you made and you're doing that on a broadcast that's heard by tens and tens of podcasters, (laughs) the mooch hour, whatever it's called, then you should say, I made this mistake and this is what I did wrong. Even if you don't approach the other things, the accusations against you, because, you know, saying those accusations are are not true, and then, okay, then if you're going to defend yourself, that's, you know, that's, you have the right, I guess, to do that, and we'll see where it comes out. But what was done on the air and his approach with that program and stories that were related to his brother, uh, again, the nursing home scandal being of utmost public interest is, is where, you know, you look at it and say, no, those are things that were very out there. This, this is not a secret as to what happened. It's not behind the scenes. It's not a matter between you and your family. It's a matter between you and the viewing public, and you are attempting to reach out to them and basically say nothing. Well, if if you're on the uh, Minutia with Mooch uh, podcast, uh, the first question I was asked is, is say, okay, well, you've sued them. Do you believe you did anything wrong? I don't know what you're claiming you did wrong right. because you have a lawsuit against the company. Mm. Are you saying that the way you interviewed your brother was wrong? Right. And you should have been fired for that? Right. Are you simply filing the lawsuit because of uh, of the sexual harassment allegations, which you say are false? Right. What What's going on? You know, what, what, what are you exactly, what are you, are you apologizing? Uh, are you... Uh, what are you doing here? And if you're apologizing or if you did something wrong, what specifically are you apologizing for that you did wrong? Because I have no idea. Right. You know, uh, because if you can't be specific with me, is this just a mea culpa? Because uh, in, in a generic one to make your lawsuit stronger, because here's what you said in public. Right. But I'm sure if you got into what exactly did they do? Or what do you think they did wrong? Or what did you do wrong? I can hear him say, well, I can't really discuss that because we have litigation going on. Then don't <laughs> the, appear the, on Mooch tonight. Right. Or the Mooch Angle or what, whatever it's called. Much more with Mooch. <laughs> Much more with Mooch. <laughs> By the way, I'm laughing here silently in the background. Just The Mooch know. Factor. Whatever it's called, don't go there if if you're not willing to talk about it, which, you know, probably is being advised by his lawyers. All right. Here's a question for you because I just thought about it Mm -hmm. because he was only there for a couple of days as a presidential spokesperson for Trump. Right. Who was worse, his three days or Corrine Jean-Pierre? Oh, Corrine Jean-Pierre. Okay. Just thought we just started discussion on that one. Because he was pretty bad for those three days. Well, because those few I, days the only reason I say that is because, well, he knows when it's time to get out. <laughs> 48 hours, been long enough. Time to go. I'm going to go start the mooch factor. <laughs> mooch today. Mooch in the mornings. Whatever, whatever it is they're calling. Mooch in the morning. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, Mooch is a weird dude. He's just weird. Yeah, what a very strange.
All right, 86690 Red Eye. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing, which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing and wheel alignment are different services, but both contribute to a smoother ride and should accompany tire replacements or repairs. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies, providing improved vehicle handling, increased fuel economy, and the overall lifespan of your tires. Balancing your tires also helps keep vehicle hardware like cab rivets tight and can help with the resale value of your vehicle. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. So a Florida journalist was caught on a hot mic on Tuesday saying that her job is to make Florida Governor Ron DeSantis feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, First Coast News reporter uh, Atea uh, Collins was heard on a live stream telling someone at a DeSantis event in Jacksonville that her job is not about finding the truth, but about making DeSantis uncomfortable my job is to ask the tough questions and make him uncomfortable. The reporter was later heard telling a purported media colleague that one of her managers instructed her just to run up to him after an event and just yell questions at him, seemingly to fluster DeSantis and capture shareable content. She expressed doubt that such tactics would be successful. He already doesn't like the media, Collins observed. Christina uh, Pushaw, the rapid response director to DeSantis, later called out Collins, uh, who uh, the she described as a uh, journal activist. No, okay. a journalist's job is to tell the truth. Of course, speaking the truth to power yeah. can make the powerful uncomfortable, but discomfort shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be revealing the truth. She explained, mm. pushing bias-based uh, narratives with the express goal of creating discomfort isn't journalism. Uh, if Collins' goal was to make DeSantis feel uncomfortable, she failed at the press conference. Uh, she asked DeSantis about a viral video that showed empty bookshelves at one Duval County school. The video was used uh, to advance a narrative that DeSantis's government instituted book bans. Uh, DeSantis said that was a fake narrative. The video was not true. This is trying to create some narrative as if there hadn't uh, even uh, as if there that. This is trying to create some narrative as if that they hadn't even put the books out yet to begin with. Mm. So there's no need for all that stuff. What they're trying to do is they're trying to act like somehow, you know, we don't want books, he continued. Mm. He went on to explain, you hear people talk about felony charges, understand nothing we've done since I've been governor has done any of that. Now there is longstanding Florida law that prohibits an adult from giving a school child pornography. Don't we think that's inappropriate to do? That's been a law for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, DeSantis is going to get hit hard. I mean, the, as we saw yesterday already with uh, uh, with Nikki Haley. Yeah. You know, the, right. the left is on her because she said that, you know, even though she is a 
minority and a woman and her family or parents are immigrants, that this is not a racist country. And, of course, the left, you have to say it is a racist country. And as we started off the show with, they believe that because that's how they think, because they practice identity politics. They judge people by groups. They're already bigoted from the start. Yep. They know they're bigoted. I believe that's what you're seeing from a lot of the elitist left. They know they're bigoted. They feel guilt. Yeah. So they must accuse somebody else. So they assume if they think that way, you think that way. Yep. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, here we go for the first time ever. U.S. adults will spend more time this year watching digital video on platforms such as Netflix, YouTube, TikTok, whatever, than viewing traditional television. Mm, Yeah. Insider intelligence forecast said on Wednesday in a historic first, the market tracker expects linear TV to account for less than half of daily viewing, dropping to under three hours, while average daily digital video watching climbs to 52.3 percent at three hours and 11 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Now, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised overall. I'm not surprised based on my own viewing, what I watch now. And right. and like I yeah. said, everything changed for me when uh, a little over a year ago I got my new TV, which is a computer TV, you know, which... Yeah, smart TV. Uh, yes, yeah. but, but well, I had a smart TV before, but this is... The, my, my old smart TV was like from 2005, mm. and smart is not what smart is today, mm. where everything is... The menu you have are 
just like are so easy to use and everything is, you know, it's just, it's the software is just, you know, a thousand years ahead of what came out from, you know, 15 years ago. So, uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, and, and so it makes it so simple. But, uh, as I've mentioned on the air, I watch more YouTube on, I don't know, 50 different issues. Yeah. And topics. Right. And I can't tell you how many times I just start it and it goes to the next video. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Mm. And they can be different. You put it on yeah. shuffle, you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting what the algorithm will bring up in front of you. But also the offerings in and uh, live streams on a number of things. And, and that's in, in what you know I'm looking for. Um, you look for the live streams that are covering breaking news and everything else. And there's a ton of it that now is more of a go-to for me than live TV ever was. And it's because, uh, well, there was a an incident that happened in, in our area, and I knew they were going to have a press event. And they they actually, one of the, the local channels actually sent you to, uh, well, the landing was at their YouTube channel. And that's where they did the live streaming. Sometimes it might be on their app. Um, but digital is, if you think about the, the generation right now that's in college or leaving college, going out into the world, they've really never known a time without having some digital, you know, something in front of them uh, to, to, to basically entertain them that wasn't digital. Think about, you know, Facebook and everything else. You go back to the beginning of social media, but then YouTube was about that same time. And the rise of YouTube was pretty incredible. Netflix, (laughs) I tried to explain to my, one of my granddaughters the other day, I said, did you know they used to mail you a DVD? I would never, I never ever wanted that service because having grandkids young grandkids in the home it's like you lose that dvd you're just going to keep paying for it no 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 we there's no way to keep track of that many dvds so i wasn't in with the mail out version of netflix and then the streaming version was oh no that makes sense and now the offerings are massive you know what can't you get well, the one thing that broadcast can't, you know, the 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 channels can't bring you, whether it's cable or or broadcast TV, is they can't. They're putting something on and hoping you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it brings in enough of an audience. But if you think about the way YouTube works, the number of views. I saw something the other day that was posted and it had sixty-five million views. First of all, the guy that's that has that channel. I mean, the 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 bank for people like uh, and and creators, content creators like Mr. Beast and all of them that are out there. I mean, it is it is massive on a massive scale, millions and millions of dollars. But you think about like the exposure. The reason that they make the money is the exposure to advertisers, and you think. Okay, $65 million. Well, my gosh, 
who wouldn't want on a TV show? Who wouldn't want to get 65 million in their audience? Doesn't matter if it's cumulative. As long as they have exposure eventually, the advertisers, to a large audience. And that's the way it works. What will be interesting is to see how they change the content on streaming now and, and, and what it is that the audience, you know, as a collective wants. Uh, the woke stuff isn't working. They've already figured that out. It's not working. It turns people off. Well, that gets back to what we were talking about earlier when you talk about the issues that the left is promoting these days or isn't one they're winning on. Mm-hmm. And and that's why we have said earlier in the show that uh, after the uh, response of that Georgia state senator, uh, you know, calling Clarence Thomas an Uncle Tom and then, you know, saying that, uh, you know, going after Nikki Haley because she said the country is not racist. Right. And they say it is racist. And we said it's time for the Republicans to start attacking not plain defense, but attacking because the Democrats for the last 20 years have been so blunt about their bigotry and their intolerance yeah, yeah. of identity politics. that right. We judge people by groups or whatever. But when you look at the uh, and as we stated, every other issue is hitting reality. They've got to hit that one. And then the other one is they can't sell. This is where the woke programs aren't getting the audience. Right. They can't sell that. Right. And so it's a great opportunity. This is the best opportunity I've ever seen. And part of it's bad stuff. I mean, what creates the opportunity is, for example, on economic issues, inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody cared about the debt. All of a sudden, we're feeling the consequences of the debt. Right. And inflation. Right. Well, this got to stop. This sucks. Well, you didn't care a year ago. Well, you actually did a year ago. You didn't care two years ago. I forgot. I forgot how long we've been in this inflationary period. You didn't care. Nobody cared about the debt two years ago. Yeah. Hadn't right. affected them yet. Right. Well, yeah, it's abstract. That's down the line. Well, now everything is hitting reality. And the reality of entertainment is woke doesn't sell. Exactly. And people don't want to be preached at. When you look for entertainment, especially the popcorn stuff. You're looking for your mind to not be engaged at that level. You know, throw me, whatever it is, horror movie, action movie, uh, comedy, whatever it is. But if when you feel like you're being preached out and, you know, that um, uh, that there is something else going on, that, that it's not about entertaining you. This is about serving something else. Well, then go do a march. Go do yeah. a protest. <clears throat> if you're going to do that, this is where people and, and it's not in a in a way where people, you know, all of a sudden, well, I'm going to write the management at Netflix like our dads might have done. You know, it's handwritten. It's <laughs> it's by click. You're yeah. asking me to pay. 15, 20 bucks a month now, and it's going up. You're asking me to pay more, and you're giving me stuff that uh, I don't really care for. And and some people may look at it and say, and, and not really even say anything to somebody sitting next to them when they turn it off or don't watch it, or their friend, they may not even, it's just that they don't engage. They don't watch it anymore. They don't subscribe. And you've got to find out why. Well, you look at the pattern and they know this. They know who's watching what. They know what you're streaming and when you're streaming it. It's how they know what to put in front of you. 
And so they build their algorithm based on this. And when they see on YouTube, well, you pause the video about five minutes in and then you went somewhere else and you never came back. <laughs> Those, the people who, who uh, help creators and advise creators get that data from YouTube and they go to them and say, hey, you did a video on this and it fell flat. You had a lot of people tuning out. They didn't finish the video. They didn't complete the watching. They didn't engage. They didn't comment. And, you know, we they look for a pattern as to what is going to uh, uh, create excitement or encourage more participation and viewership. I, th- that's how it all works. And it's measured unlike anything we have seen before. Uh, the Nielsen ratings in the past, you know, that's one thing, but you're not sampling every yeah. single TV watcher. That's a great, you, you can, you can give to the advertiser. This is the exact audience that we had yep. last night for, yep. for this particular, uh, program. The, what made the difference for me as I talked about, you know, when I got my new 55 inch about a year ago, mm. it's a great TV mm-hmm. and it's, and it's so incredibly simple to do it because I'm just not one to watch on a laptop. I don't know what it is when I watch it on a laptop or even on my phone. I, those are things I do for necessity. Yeah. But right. when I was able to, you know, a couple of years ago, the first time, you know, cast it on. And I, what, what do they call the, the little thing you connected back up to your uh, uh, the Google generation, whatever it is? Yeah, you, the the uh, the the, uh, the the dongle that goes into yeah, your exactly, yeah, and and so I can ca- into your TV, so I could cast from my phone, mm-hmm. you know, and I still have that hooked up where I can, you know, still mm-hmm. cast some stuff, but mm-hmm. really I can do it all from my remote now because the Wi Fi is hooked up right. to the uh, to yeah. the TV because it's on the big screen and because the menu, the software is perfect and it's so quick that made the whole it it's almost seamless. In fact. My over-the-air channels are go right into yep. my right. Wi-Fi channels. Right, they're on the same thing. You just yep. go the next yep. okay sixty-eight, and then it's like okay it's yeah. two hundred, and it goes right into it, and boom, it's there. That's made all the difference in the world. And so I don't even know that I'm watching streaming content mm-hmm. because I was just on antenna TV. Now I'm on the streaming content. And it's on the basically in the you know the, the right. same section. Right, you're just and, you're you're flipping and, through just like you used to flip right. through channels. Yeah, exactly. There's there is no. It's seamless for someone like me. And then I just realized before we came on the show today, I just canceled my you know I just canceled the app that I was on. Uh, my uh, my nephew uh, you know plays high school basketball. He's mm. a freshman. He plays on the JV team. Mm-hmm. And the National Federation of State High School Associations has their own app. Mm. Every single, not every single, but ninety percent of his games, I could watch on TV. It was eleven. Oh. It was eleven bucks a month or eleven ninety nine. Yeah. Well, that's worth it. Oh yeah. I get to watch oh, my nephew yeah. play. You know, I get to watch my great nephew. Excuse me, play basketball. Yeah. And it's and there's no play by play or anything. It's just a camera. That's and, great. You know, it's a camera, but it's yeah. going back and forth. And Next best thing to be in there. They'll zoom in. It's like yeah, it's like I'm there watching the game yep. Yep. and I'm screaming at it. And he just <laughs> he had his last game two days ago, and yeah. so. It was right before I came on the air today, I went, oh, I don't need it anymore. Right. And and so I canceled it, and they said, we hope to see you next season. Right, yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. well, uh, if you decides to play football, I may see you in uh, September. Right. Because yeah. they carry, I don't know, 400 different school districts across the country. 
and it's you sit there and you go, this is really amazing. Yeah. And the quality right. is really good. You know, the quality, it's funny because you and I were talking about the new S23 coming out from uh, from Samsung. Yeah, uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I saw on YouTube somebody took the, like, the 8K picture out of it. It was mm. like, and it was somebody in Europe. Yeah. And you're like, this is the phone. Mm. I mean, just the quality, which which the point I'm trying to make is, Anybody who's an amateur now can do stuff with with software on their their yeah. uh, their laptop, right. or maybe their software on their phone, mm-hmm. and can make a program that is as close to being as professional, or it has those professional expectations that you want. Right. And you forget, right. I'm watching amateurs. Yeah. Well, even even investing, you know, several thousand into uh, some of the uh, camera makers like Canon that have accelerated, you know, greatly yep. mm-hmm. their digital uh, camera offerings uh, for stuff like that. Now, are you going to take that on the kayak? Probably not. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but GoPro and, and all these other things uh, where, you know, you can get, if you have the even nominal skills, you can capture all kinds of B-roll uh, type footage mm-hmm. and, and, and put that on your... That's what people... It's what I look for. If you're going to be set up in Alaska, man, I want to see some of the scenery. You know, uh, put your drone out there for me. Uh, one guy that I follow, he's in Hawaii right now. He's traveling, but he's in Hawaii right now. Shoot some B-roll and do the voiceover for that or just some music or whatever. And that's going to be, again, people's kind of their window to the world. Um, and that's the attractive stuff that really brings in, I think, long term the viewers. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Shop at iowa80.com for the best selection of everything for your truck. Bumpers, fenders, toolboxes. It's Red Eye Radio. Important Democrat says Biden has to say something about China. Hmm. Coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right, I was going to talk about something else, and I realized we completely forgot about this. Yeah. Raquel Welch oh, man. died yesterday. Yeah. You know, I read the word in one of the um, headlines and, and news alerts. I read the words sex symbol, and I don't think I've seen those words anywhere in <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> Are you allowed to even use those words uh, no. anymore? <laughs> I, that, that's what I thought. I thought, well, somebody's going to have to be corrected on that. 
you know, but it was those words were thrown around, you know, all the time back then. You know, and yeah, really sad. Yeah, I that when I saw that yesterday, I went, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, that was the first thing. I, it's not all about me, but the, when you see something, like that, you're like, well, no, that can't have how eighty two. What? Because yeah. it's yeah. just you know when yeah. yeah in the in the sixties and seventies and right you know she was a uh, she was a um, uh, a she sex had, symbol. She had. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come up with some other type of word, and I yeah. just I couldn't do it. Thank you for filling. I'm like I got, I, and I was trying to come up with something that would be funny but brilliant, and I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> she was a sex symbol. Yeah, um, that's yeah. honestly. I mean, if if you're gonna if you're gonna describe her, that's what you that's how you describe her back then, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, here she is. The world's sex symbol. <laughs> I thought that not only does it sound dated, it just sounds weird to say it. Yeah. I mean, re- and for me, I mean, I I was 11 years old when 1 million years BC came out. Yeah. And I don't I don't think I ever saw the movie. And you remember but, when dinosaurs were around. <laughs> exactly right. But I, I, I remember the trailers and I remember the like the posters and everything. I n- n- never saw the movie, but yeah, don't think I ever had any interest in it. But you, you saw it. I mean, you, you knew, you knew about it. She was a, she was as big uh, a pop culture of, of her time. Maybe not okay. Maybe not to the level of Farrah Fawcett's poster. Yeah, because we were sort of entering a different age at that. I don't know what right. it was. Yeah. But Farrah Fawcett's poster was just, yeah. I mean, that was that was huge at right. you know at that point. But um, yeah, I just mm. it was just a shock to see it because it's just things that you relate, you know, from your age and you're like, oh wow, really? Oh, you got to be kidding me! But she was in a ton of movies, though. she really was. Yeah, um, you know, uh, it, it's you think about, I guess that time, I. I wonder if there's a, a documentary that's been done yet on, you know, and there were a handful of, you think of the, um, I don't know, <laughs> this sounds weird to say too, pinup girls <laughs> and sex symbols. Are, are we getting fired for this conversation? Well, no, I mean, are we breaking? Yes. What rules are we breaking here? <laughs> no, I mean, you think, think about that. It sounds so dated. I know. When you say yeah. those words out loud. And certainly somebody's done the documentary on, okay, here's what it was like. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Who are we going to have? What are we doing? Well, we're doing a caveman movie. Well, you got to call Raquel Welch. <laughs> well, where she was absolutely fantastic. Mm. And... and Arguably, her best role ever. Yeah, was in the summer of George Seinfeld episode. <laughs> Remember? Yeah, yeah. Where uh, wasn't he supposed to fire her? 
Kramer was supposed to fire her. That's yeah, what it so. was. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, that was just... And... and uh, wow. And that wasn't that... It was, Wasn't uh, that part 97? of yeah? That was the, that was part of the cat cat fight. Yeah, the cat fight. Yeah, that was a cat fight, right? Between her and Julie Louise Dreyfus, right? Yeah, I mean that was just that was the whole Tony Award thing where where Kramer was you know remember Kramer got the Tony Award, and they said he could keep it if he fired Raquel Welch, right? The producers, we can't, we can't face her. She'll... Wow! So he went in and f- so he could keep his Tony that he hadn't earned. He had to fire Raquel Welch from the production. She was in Naked Gun thirty three and yeah, a third, the yeah. final insult, mm-hmm. which was you know if you think about that those series of movies, Naked Gun and and uh, Airplane, and and basically taking these serious role actors and actresses and putting them in these absurd (laughs) comedy movies, you know, Mm -hmm. and it works. I mean, uh, you look at, 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 um, uh, Oh, uh, Izzy Mandelbaum. Oh, jeez. Lloyd Bridges, Lloyd Bridges. Yeah. Uh, we haven't used he, him in a while. He was genius in the comedic roles. Yeah, he was. He you know, he he was unbelievable as Izzy Mandelbaum in Seinfeld. I mean, he was, was just he stole that room, and yep. and that was hard to do on on a Seinfeld. Yep, because you had this ensemble cast, that core of those four. Then you had, of course, you know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, George's parents, and they would, st- they kind of st- stole the room when, mm-hmm. but they, but you, you, when the episode was essentially focused on his parents, the director, the producers, the writers, they all knew it had to focus on those two, mm-hmm. you know, but the same with Bridges. It was, okay, look, he's going to steal the show. So everybody else is just secondary. Well, I mean, that was the incredible thing when Raquel Welch was on. I mean, because it's like, you're just like, I'm, I remember when that I first saw that, I went, wow, yeah. she agreed to do this role. Yeah. Because remember, remember, right? she was viewed, I mean, her image was completely and totally out of control, mm-hmm. which was really never her image. Right, yeah. And so they created an image that you're going to be right. You're going to be who you are, but you're going to be this completely insane, out of control actress right. that nobody can control. Right. And so Kramer has to fight you. And then you get into a cat fight. <laughs> with Elaine, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh yeah, I'll do yeah. it." <laughs> yeah. Right. She must have realized by '97, I-, I need to be a part. I need to have this as part of my legacy. Yeah. So, but wow. uh, uh, rest in peace, Raquel Welch, eighty-two. And the thing is, I had I did see just a one picture of her, but it was from far away. Like they've somebody, some magazine yesterday said mm-hmm. the last photo of her, and I went, "Okay, she doesn't look eighty-two. Yeah, because you just think of it, and Raquel Welch is very tough to imagine because you really haven't seen her really since that Seinfeld episode, and so that's that's going back mm. twenty six years. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, she had some appearances in a few movies along the way. Yeah. Uh, as of, in fact, as I late just, as 2017. But yeah, I just had. Yeah, I did not. I, I hadn't way, seen yeah. her. I mean, yeah. I, it, yeah. she wasn't uh, to you know part of the my you know Hollywood consciousness of what was going on. Yeah, and so you just to me, it's always the poster, the poster of her as a and the cave woman. <laughs> yeah, no, that was an iconic. It was. Uh, poster, it really was. So, I mean, to to me, yeah. I actually, and that's why I said, well, maybe that wasn't as bigger as, as excuse me, as bigger, <laughs> as big as Farrah Fawcett. But for that time, it was, it was huge. Yeah. No, she definitely. And if you actually for a while, if yeah. you a- ask me my personal taste, mm. I did like her poster better than Farrah Fawcett's. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Most of my buddies would probably disagree with me, but I. I like the Raquel Welch poster better. Yeah. And that's about all because we may be getting into territory that is not woke here for 2023. You can't say someone and, was beautiful. And talking about the attractiveness of a woman. You certainly can't be ugly. Somebody on the radio who people can't see and probably shouldn't see and say someone was pretty and be a male. So don't say she was pretty. She was, but you can't say it. Can we say ravishing, voluptuous, hot? I don't know. You can't say that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> yeah. You you can't talk. You can talk about conservative talk radio hosts and how ugly they are. That's a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Coming up, we're going to talk about Shapiro. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) Yeah. Whole segment. (laughs) All right. In the news. There we go right now. Senator John Tester saying Biden must talk to the American people about China. Yeah. I haven't haven't, uh, talked to the president about this. Here's the quote. But the bottom line is I don't know what his plans are. Maybe he's waiting for additional information uh, uh, off, you know, to come off of the balloon uh, that was not totally recovered. Uh, but uh, it's time. He must talk to the American people. Hmm. There are a lot of people that are very concerned. Freedom is privacy. Uh, freedom uh, is of, of of privacy is a big issue in Montana and across the country. Hey, it went across Montana. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's it. Uh, by the way, <laughs> uh, very clear. He, he is in campaign mode, Mr. Tester, Senator yep. Tester. Uh, one of the Democrats, I say, that could be, you know, on the brink next year. Uh, as the GOP seems to have the upper pa- upper hand by the count, we don't give them the upper hand until they actually win it. <laughs> I, I, I love this one here uh, from uh, the American Prospect. The, uh, the 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 Chinese spy balloon is no big deal. Intelligence gathering is always going to happen between great powers. Uh-huh. Is that the majority of Americans? Nope. No, it is not. Because here's the you know in the back of our minds we're not we're not sitting there thinking about all the satellites uh, that are traveling around. We're not thinking about all the I don't know spies that could be on American soil. We're not thinking about a number of things. Because you can't just look up and see them. You don't, you're not aware that they are there and 
there is no question as to what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. But Republicans need to get a grip. Chinese spy balloons are far from the biggest threat to the American security. Now, that would be the Biden administration. On the contrary, <laughs> they, might, they might conceivably increase it. Spying is a normal fact for any, uh, of life for any country. Uh-huh. So just deal with it. It's no big deal at all. Ah, uh, you're in the minority, sir, <laughs> of thinking that. You do not blatantly yeah. fly a, any type of spy drone, whether it's balloon or whatever, over a country. Yeah, so the, uh, there are uh, numerous source stories, one from Reuters coming over in the last hour or so. And again, it's sourced anonymous sources saying Biden plans to give a speech today. They don't know what time. And again, these are sourced. But um, he's going to have to talk about it. He's going to have to talk about it. Well, they keep saying speech, which means I bet you it's a speech. And then, he, then uh, as, as you make the best point, though. He needs to do it in the White House where he's sitting down, where the camera fades, because he can no longer. And if I'm a political consultant for the president, I would tell him you can no longer yeah. turn around and walk away. Yeah, you can't. You, you can't you, have the image, right. even if there's nobody in the room. Right. You, make you can't it, turn right. turn around and walk away. He needs to be sitting at the desk in the Oval Office. And have a, and it, you know, I, I'm guessing they're going for a prime time address. Maybe not. You know, I mean, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. You just, you just, you just do the, you just make the speech. Could but be. that would be, a, that would be an address from the Oval Office and that you're not hearing. You're hearing the speech. Well, so and, and it's going to be. And, and so the question is then, all right, uh, do you take questions? If I'm advising, the answer is no, no, and no. But guess what? There are going to be questions, and it doesn't matter where he does the speech, how long it is, how much is included, and Corrine Jean-Pierre or Kirby or somebody's going to have to face the media. So after he speaks today, if he does, then expect it. And and will it be before the White House press event or after? If he speaks this morning, <laughs> Corrine Jean-Pierre might call in sick. 866-90-RED-EYE. Some encouraging agricultural things happening on the China front. First, China this past year bought a record $38.2 billion worth of U.S. ag products, second record year in a row. Which is really, I think, welcome news. But the chief U.S. agricultural trade negotiator, Doug McCaleb, told a meeting of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture Wednesday that China has just done something else, less public but still encouraging. Now, for years, the U.S. has complained about the slow speed at which China's been approving biotech crops for entry into China. However, China actually recently announced approval of six new biotechnological trait crops for uh, market access into China. Six may not sound stupendous, but actually... I think this is the first time in a decade that there's been a batch of six new uh, farm products that they have approved through their biotech process. In that group, three cotton traits, two alfalfa, one canola that were approved. So hopefully that can be a uh, harbinger of some things to come as well. This is Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. 
If you like listening to Red Eye On Demand, we have more of Eric Harley and guests for you. Download RER's Extra Money. From uh, what I've read in a number of different uh, uh, articles is uh, there wasn't anything that was marked classified, but they're going through everything to see if it was classified. Oh, interesting. Okay, so, huh. It would that would mean it would be have been separated from its original yes. folder or yes. box. Yep, marked classified. Because right. I was interesting the way I would read it from a liberal publication would say no classified documents were found. Then I read another other more conservative, and they said no classified documents. No no documents have been found with classified markings on them. Right. But they are still continuing to search through the documents to see if any have classified content I'm like oh that's really interesting the way they and, hmm. and you see hmm. how two articles are written yeah. can give you a completely different impression about what the FBI may be looking for right it's not that and and then you and then the next thing you ask yourself is oh are they doing this because they found other classified documents that had no classification on them because they were notes hmm or they were pages that were outside oh, of the folder yeah. that might not have had classified stampings on it? Well, because, mess. you know, you look at the thing on the notes, and that goes back to his Senate years. All right. So mm-hmm. uh, you go in uh, and to their special room, and you sit down. You can't make notes. You can't, no, you can't. take pictures. You can't mm-hmm. do anything. You can't take anything out of that room. And, but apparently he yeah. did. And I did see that, that they were looking for documents that were that came from his Senate years. So those would have been, they may have been the ones that were handwritten notes. Right. And if those notes contain classified information, then that would be a problem. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the low. Giving you 70% each night, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. 
And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Well, we know uh, one of the biggest issues out there is uh, is crime, uh, is the whole concept that Democrats have been pushing of of uh, of uh, no cash bail, mm-hmm. of uh, of letting uh, people out of prison because everybody's in prison because of drug charges, right? Yep. And for simple possession and things like that. Right. Well, the Bureau of Justice Statistics has come out. Hmm. This is on state inmate population. And it contradicts the popular argument from criminal justice reform advocates that prisons are largely filled with nonviolent drug offenders. Data from the Bureau of Justice Statistics shows only 12.6% of state prisoners are behind bars for drug-related crimes and only 3.2% are locked up on possession charges, while five times as many people are in state prisons for violent crimes rather than drug charges, said Zach Smith, legal, legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation's Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies, Quote, if you listen to the people on the left, you would think that everyone who has a joint in their pocket is getting sent to prison for 20 years, which is just not the case. Hmm. Prominent Democrats and Republicans across the country have pushed to decriminalize drugs by arguing in part that harsh drug laws have led to a prison uh, population boom. Uh AOC in the past has said the reality is the U.S. prison system is nonviolent people stopped with a dime bag. President Joe Biden has issued thousands of pardons for marijuana crimes while insisting that no one should be in a federal prison solely due to possession of marijuana. No one should be in a local jail or state prison uh, for that reason either. Uh, You had Elizabeth Warren say the same thing. But when you actually look at the numbers out there, uh, what you find out uh, is that that's not the case. Uh, You have, uh, let me see, uh, Keith Humphreys, an American psychologist, and uh, a couple of more professors at Stanford University told Fox News Digital Those positions simply are not backed up by the data. It's been a long-time talking point, particularly around cannabis uh, legalization, to say our prisons are full of pot smokers and nonviolent drug offenders. It's just something that has never been true, certainly for cannabis. You can get a night in jail still for cannabis, but going to prison is pretty much impossible anymore Not that it was ever really possible. Humphrey said that at the height of the crack cocaine explosion in the 1980s, only about one in five state prisoners were incarcerated for a drug charge of some form. Humphreys explained that violent crime is driving prison population in the United States. As evidenced by the data showing 62.4% of state prisoners are serving sentences for violent crime. The other 40% includes people who previously committed violent crimes or pleaded down from a violent offense to a lesser offense. Hmm. 
Smith agreed, saying people with simple possession charges, especially first-time offenders, probably pled down uh, to those charges from a more serious charge. For instance, a lot of time, if someone is potentially facing possession with the intent to distribute, which carries much higher penalties, the prosecutor might plead down to simple possession in that case. So most of the time, I suspect if someone is in jail for just possession, it's because it was knocked down that they were actually distributing, but they dropped that charge right, in order to get them to plead and not go to court. Right. Smith also echoed the conclusion that prison populations are driven by violent crime and not low-level drug offenders, not just in recent years, but historically. Between 1960 and 1990, the rate of violent crime in the United States surged by over 35%. It was the biggest increase in our country's history. And so it's that increase in violent crime that was the increase in incarceration and the increasing of incarceration rates. It's not minor drug offenses or really drug offenses, period. Smith said there were 43 million drug address. Wow. Drug arrests, excuse me, in the United States between 1980 and 2012, which sounds like a lot until you consider that there were a total of 443 million total arrests during that same time frame, which he says shows that drug arrests accounted for less than 10% of all arrests over that roughly 32 year old, uh, 32 year period, which runs contrary to reform narrative. Even if you go all the way back to 1997, the heart of the tough-on-crime era, if you will, only 1% of prisoners were in prison for a first or second time, uh, excuse me, a first or second time nonviolent drug offense. And only 4% of state prisoners in 1997 were considered to be drug kingpins. Said Smith, who was authoring an upcoming book titled Rogue Prosecutors, about the progressive prosecutors across the country implementing what they call criminal justice reform. Well, that's important to know those stats. No, it is. Um, and because, again, and, and I would love to take a look at the cases that had a plea bargain where they dropped the charge down. How many drug dealers and are, are being used basically as poster children for this entire thing? Because that's not a small thing. You could ask the average person, hey, should they be behind bars for uh, simple drug or just marijuana charges? Well, no, they shouldn't be. Well, um, should they be behind bars if they're a drug dealer? Yeah, they should be. And, you know, there's the difference. I understand wanting to uh, clear the docket, save the taxpayer money and everything else. But if we're going to be honest about all of this as to why people are there and the reasons why they're there and, 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 and why the left wants them essentially prisons to be gone. I mean, that's what the far left is saying right now. We should have no prisons. Now, Elizabeth Warren did clarify that billionaires should be in prison for having money. <laughs> But anyone that just, uh, you know, had a drug charge should not be. They said, uh, and 
those who decry how the U.S. justice system treats drug offenders also ignores the disturbingly tight relationship between drug offending and other often violent offending. Mm -hmm. Myers told Fox News Digital an earlier uh, Bureau of Justice survey uh, found 22.4% of drug offenders in state prison were also violent criminals and 20 uh, repeat violent criminals and 26.4% had three to five prior sentences. Mm. Over 13% of sentenced drug offenders had six to 10 prior sentences. Interesting. Uh, Myers also pointed out to the survey that found 38.4% of state drug possession offenders were rearrested within a year of release. By year five, that percentage grew to a 73% rearrest rate. Hmm. Of all state drug offenders, 28% of those released in 2020, excuse me, in 2012, were rearrested for a violent offense within five years. Released drug offenders were more likely to be arrested again within five years for a violent offense more than those released for homicide or rape. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. I'll say that again. Uh, released drug offenders were more likely to be arrested again within five years for a violent offense more than those released for homicide or rape. Wow. That's, I mean, those are interesting stats. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what you, it's been thrown out there for the longest time. I, it's been thrown out for, there for 30 years. Well, our prisons are just filled with people that, you know, are there for simple drug possession. Mm-hmm. Right. And the point trying to make is that's not the case now, but that also wasn't the case. These researchers were saying 30 years ago. Right. Well, you know, the left has moved so far away from and, you know, many people have moved away from the whole tough on crime thing. But honestly, if you sit down and ask people and give them real information, actual information, our society does not want violent people on the streets. They don't want drug dealers on the streets. Those are the answers you'll get. But the left will tell you. Again, our prisons are filled with nonviolent drug offenders. Well, you know, the immediately the president came out not even knowing what had happened at Michigan mm-hmm. State University the mm-hmm. other night mm-hmm. and said all assault weapons should be banned. And then it yeah. came out, and I don't know the exact details on it, mm-hmm. but it's like, wait a minute. the This guy had a felony charge from mm-hmm. possession of a gun right. illegally and they dropped it from a felony, mm-hmm. apparently, what, to a misdemeanor, and he was out. Right. And the point is, are we releasing violent criminals? Or, again, gun possession, illegal gun possession is supposed to be a serious crime. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, what, but think about the, the, the uh, DA in New York. If you don't pull the trigger... Yeah. Uh, and otherwise you're not committing a, a felony, eh, we're not going to go after you. Yeah. Ask ask the majority of Americans if it should be a felony. You go into a store, you pull a gun, you point it at people and say, you give me your money or I'll kill you, right. and they don't pull the trigger and they walk out. Right. If they believe 
that you should be able to just get a misdemeanor or whether that should be a felony. Right. I guarantee probably 99.9% of people will say that's a felony, even the most liberal people, especially if they're a victim of that, as we found out from the congresswoman the other day. Right. That's a violent individual if they're willing to pull a gun Yeah. in a store. If they pull the trigger or not, they're a violent individual and they need to be behind bars for a long time. And so if you wonder why New York City is messed up, look who the D, the, Man- yeah. the Manhattan DA is right. and what he actually said. Right. They don't care. Right. They don't care about the safety and security mm-hmm. of civilians. Right. No, they don't. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, we saw how... The the left was uh, attacking uh, Nikki Haley yesterday. Mm-hmm. You and I talked about that, and mm-hmm. you know the 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 fact that uh, you know she said the United States is not a uh, racist society, is not a racist country, and they went crazy because of course they believe it is because <clears throat> they believe in identity politics, which is judging people by groups and not individuals. So they're bigots already. <laughs> so yeah, that's right. why. So of course that's the way they think. So of course they view the nation as uh, as, uh, as as racist, but. The attack on DeSantis yesterday that I saw on Twitter was the best. Hmm. It shows DeSantis sitting there, and he's got his, you know, his, uh, his. Uh, you, can, you can see his boots, and the heels look a little larger. And it says, "DeSantis heightens." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <gasps> yeah. I, I know that's something that's been going on, even from uh, Trump supporters. They've been doing the same thing too. Yeah, well, I I believe it was a Trump supporter who did yeah. it because oh, okay, that was yeah, yeah. that was a back and forth. Yeah. You're a Trump supporter, yeah, and you don't need somebody fake like him. Yeah, we're against right. fake news and we're against fake height, and so th- the mocking was right. just yeah. unbelievable. I mean, right. it was just like it was a zoo. And, yeah, no, I mean, uh, like, you know, that's but that's going to be part of it. Um, that's not going to be effective against DeSantis. It isn't. No, it's going to get down to uh, the issues. Uh, the name calling isn't going to work this time. It just isn't for anybody. Uh, the left is going to have a problem, you know. Again, when 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 uh, people on the right are saying, "Look, uh, you know, we're not a racist nation," and they they're screaming at the top of their lungs and crying, "No, we're so racist!" Man, I was reading a thread the other day, and it was. It was a comment, a tweet by Richard Engel, and it had to do with uh, the recent mass shooting. And he said, you know, my friends abroad, I'm paraphrasing, my friends abroad wonder how this keeps happening. You know, the one at Michigan State University and how this keeps happening. It's almost like we allow it and, you know, and everything else. And then the comments, you know, he says, how how?" And his, the ending on his tweet was, you know, we're such a great nation. And then everybody in the tweet, well, we're not a great nation. I thought, wow. <laughs> wow. There it is. Yep.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> 